time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, December 2nd, 2019. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and are back into the swing of things just a short amount of time before the Christmas holidays are upon us and then we get into the slump of the industry. There's a lot going on in the marketplace, and I'm really excited about today's hot topic. Of course, I should say before we get into that, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we are grateful to have you as our listener, our commitment to you. Each week, we want to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. So excited about this week's hot topic. I jumped ahead of our standard opening there to say we've got Barrett Burns, who is president and CEO of Vantage Score Solutions. We're going to be talking about the tremendous growth of the Vantage Score and what this means potentially for the mortgage industry. And I'll explain when we get into the Hot Topic segment why this really caught my attention and why I reached out to Barrett and asked him to come back on. But I want to just say thank you for being a part of our podcast, telling others about it. We're also part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the other podcasts that are out there and available at industrysyndicate.com. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. Let's start off by the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Grateful for our partnership with them. Check out the Mortgage Action Alliance. Get your voice heard. Get the app on your phone, your smartphone. Send out your word to D.C. and onto the Hill. And make it so easy. So check out Mortgage Action Alliance. Pleased to be a part of the MBA. Also, Black Knight has developed an actionable intelligence platform to deliver data that drives growth. Talking about growth. You're going to have to talk about growth later in the Hot Topics segment. They do so in a way that allows you to reduce costs. Check out BlackKnightInc.com. Also, Open Mortgage. Scott Gordon, the team, one of the largest buyers of reverse mortgages and home of some of the top LOs, as well as Finastra. The Fusion Mortgage Box Solution automatically addresses compliance issues as well as enhancing buyer satisfaction, increased productivity. Just went through a demo with one of my clients who's selecting a new LOS, and they were just very impressed with that product. Lots of new enhancements already, and there's more on the way shortly here in the first quarter. I think it's even before that. So make sure if you're looking to make a change in the LOS, check out Finastra's product. Got some new things going on. Very, very impressive. But the POS and LOS uh, combined just make for a nice integration. All-in-one solution makes for vendor management a little bit easier. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these co-ops create competitive advantages for both the lender members and the vendor members. And we are a vendor member and pleased with that. Also, the CMLA, which is the Community Mortgage Lenders of America. Thrilled to have them here with us as a sponsor, as well as Velma, Knowledge Coop, Vidyard, AI Assist. All of these vendors make it possible for us to be here each week and supply all this information for you. I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Alan, and Joe for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Raphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? 
Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapport. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA published the 2020 maximum conforming loan limits for mortgages eligible to be acquired by the GSEs. Average home prices continued to rise last year. Therefore, the ba- baseline maximum conforming loan limit for one-unit properties increased 5.4% from $484,350 to $510,400. In most high-cost areas, the maximum conforming loan limit for one-unit properties will increase from $726,525 to $765,600. The changes scheduled for 2020 mark the fourth consecutive annual increase in maximum conforming loan limits. Also, be sure to register for the upcoming IMB conference February 3rd through the 6th in New Orleans. This is an opportunity to get the latest insights and updates on industry trends impacting IMBs. You can register at mba.org. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. Good job, Rob. Appreciate you giving us all this good and timely information. I want to underscore the IMB conference. I was just invited to be a speaker there, moderator there. Very excited. We're going to be moderating a session, and I'll talk to you more about it. Don't want to get ahead of the organizers yet, but I agreed to be there and moderate a session and speak at the event. So very excited about that. Les Parker is here with us with this week's TM Spotlight and the macro view of the market. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Amesworth Advisors. Bad trading war. After an overwhelming win by the democracy movement at the ballot box in Hong Kong, the market yawned. The market sees a step one trade deal happening because both sides hurt, and China hurts enough to make a deal. Hong Kong is in a standoff. The U.S. is growing more than the rest of the advanced economies. So, a neutralized market puts trading on the sideline. The bulls won't run away, and the bears struggle to get far. Who's to blame for the malaise? Who's bad to the bone? These sheets are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Oh. Just want to go listen to that for a few minutes. I could just love, love that music. Oh, cracks me up. Les, great job. Gary Cantrabone, love the team of how you guys team up together. Anyway, Joe Farris here with us. And he's not bad to the bone. I like that. I like that music. Anyway, Joe, what you got for us in the markets? I hope you had a great Thanksgiving here. Fred. Yeah, we did. Had a great one. Thank you. I hope you did, too. Yeah, we're down a little bit today. We're down about 10 basis points. Uh, and it's a little bit surprising because the economic data that came out this morning fell short of expectations, both construction spending and the ISM, or Institute of Supply Management Manufacturing Index, came out. Both fell short of what was expected. And with that kind of economic data coming out, you would expect that with the stock market down right now, it's down about 230 points on the Dow, you would expect a little improvement in MBS prices, but instead we're down a little bit. And then on top of that, we had some trade concerns rise uh, just recently here. Trump has tweeted about reinstating some tariffs on Brazil and Argentina, dealing aluminum tariffs. And, of course, the signing of that legislation late last week, supporting essentially in support of the, the Hong Kong protesters, didn't sit well with the Chinese. And so... You know, there are some issues going on in their, in the trade concerns, and I, I agree with what Les said. That most people need it, but it's sure going to be a tough road to get to. 
So looking at last week, Dave, MBS prices did improve a little bit last week. Gains on Monday and Tuesday were somewhat offset on Wednesday. The economic data last week was mixed. We saw contracts signed by new homes were better than expected, while the contracts signed by previously owned homes were lower than expected. And unfortunately, new home component is a much smaller part of the overall market. So uh, it'd be better if we saw those reversed, actually. Then November measured consumer confidence came in below expectations, although it is still very high. The big surprise today was durable orders. In October, it rose six-tenths when a pretty big decline was expected. The second estimate of third quarter GDP rose two-tenths from the first estimate was an estimate of 1.9% for the third quarter growth, and, and it rose to 2.1%. So uh, that's a pretty big change in that number. And then you know, MBS prices fell. I mentioned uh, gave back some gains on Monday and Tuesday. fell on Wednesday after that better-than-expected durable orders and GDP numbers. Probably the most important report that came out last week was the PCE core inflation index. Yeah. And, uh, it fortunately was not a surprise. It, uh, it did rise. Well, it fell slightly from September uh, 1.7% on an annual basis to 1.6% in October. Now, looking at this week, you know, trade obviously is going to remain a, a big concern as these uh, new tariffs seem to be coming online and some concerns within the China trade agreements, trade talks. So that'll continue to drive the market. But we do have the Institute of Supply Management Services Index to come out at 8.30 Eastern time on Wednesday, and that can move the market. And then, of course, the first Friday of the month has the November jobs report. So that'll be released at 8.30 Eastern time. 180,000 net new jobs are expected, and that's up from 128,000 in October. That was negatively affected by the strike in the manufacturing several manufacturing areas. Uh, I think it had a negative effect on jobs of about 36,000. So that'll turn itself around this month. And then, you know, the other components of the jobs report, including average hourly earnings and the unemployment rate, are expected to show no change. No change. All right. Well, what's the historical, if there's not any tweeting going on or external circumstances, do we usually see an upswing of rates? I'm trying to, re- as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, is that, or do we kind of just stay flat through December? Yeah, it is. But, you know, oftentimes it results in greater volatility. And, and so, hmm. you know, I don't know that I have a general trend for December, but it, it is a time when you need to be concerned about Midday movements larger than expected, or day-to-day movements larger than expected in in MBS prices. Very good point. You do a good job. Appreciate you bringing this to us each and every week, Joe. Very grateful for your contribution. Good to have you here. Scott Gordon of Open Mortgage talking about the science of sales. Scott Gordon here with a bit of sales science. Today I want to examine the third and final essential element your story must have, an honest struggle. Your hero must struggle to overcome the relevant challenge that you have laid before them and is essential for good storytelling. Think of real-life supermen that you've encountered. Not the comic characters, but braggarts who you encounter in the real world. Have you ever heard this? Yeah, I started managing the office two years ago. Sales were down, originators were slacking on the job, and corporate couldn't decide how to process a loan. But as soon as I took over, I showed them how it was done. Now we close more loans during the holidays than other branches do in summer. 
First, this guy is annoying. But second, where's the struggle? What obstacles did he really have to overcome? He simply walked through the door and supermaned his office to success. It's just not a good story because it's missing the struggle, one of the three key elements. So with a relatable hero, a relevant challenge, and an honest struggle, you can construct a simple story that leads to a worthy lesson over and over, turning you into a true story seller. Next time, we'll look at how to structure these elements in the most effective way to maximize your stories and your service. This might sound too good to be true, but it's not. It's the science of sales. Well, that's a great story. Thanksgiving, yeah, I'm struggling now to lose weight between now and before my daughter's wedding here, January 4th. So anyway, you want to talk about a struggle, write the checks I'm writing for right now for a wedding, upcoming wedding. Whew, these things are expensive. Anyway, great segment, Scott. We all can identify with that. Tell a struggle. Don't be bragging. It's fine to tell you what you're doing well. But tell the struggle. Anyway, Alice Alvey is here with us, CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. And she's always bringing us the legislative update, which also has a little bit of struggle to it. We're looking at all the changes coming on. What you got for us, Alice? I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving with you and Eddie. And drove through some ice, I understand. So that's a struggle. Oh, yeah. We did have a great time with our daughter and her future in-laws and fiancé and kids. It was just a, a really great time out in beautiful Corning, New York. So just love that Finger Lakes hey. area. Hope you all get a chance to visit uh. there someday. So anyway, yeah, we give a few things to give you all an update. A little bit's gone on over the last week. The Mortgage Bankers Association did send in a letter on behalf of many of its lenders. So, you know, by many estimates, it's hundreds of lenders I think one estimate VA said was about 400 lenders had received letters about loans that VA interest rate reduction refinance loans that weren't going to receive guarantee because VA felt they violated the law. When, you know, there were many lenders in the group that we heard during different seminars had received verbals from VA that were conflicting with some of the guidance that VA was enforcing. So, MBA did send a letter on November 22nd on behalf of the association. So for those of you who wonder, what does the association do for me? It's, it's these types of things that you need to, and we have a collective voice through a central source that gets their attention so that they will take a look at some of the fines and penalties they've been assessing when lenders thought that they were following what was being told by the regional offices. So more to follow on that. We will watch to see if VA does anything, but uh, at least MBA is looking out for us. The second thing I wanted to make sure you were at least aware of, you know, we've talked about over the last many years whether the different battles that have gone on about the CFPB being constitutional and folks really believing that it's not constitutional to give one individual so much power that can only be removed for cause by the president, and that's a tough case to fight. So we do have, I think we've reported that the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. Now there's an actual date. So the Supreme Court did schedule for March 3rd to hear a challenge to the constitutionality of the statutory restrictions on the president's ability to remove the director of the CFPB from the office. Now, this has wide implications because we need the Supreme Court to, first of all, comment on that aspect. And then if they do say that, you know, yes, he could be removed, if the president does have these powers, then 
how does that affect the rest of the Dodd-Frank Act, right? Because if, yeah. if it affects this one aspect of Title X, that was a giant piece of legislation. For those of you who remember trying to read the 1,800 pages and the, the thousands of supplemental pages that went with it, a lot's been implemented between Wall Street and the lending in this industry on this. So it's supposed to be really a two-part comment that comes out, and we'll just wait and see. Now, the arguments will be held on March 3rd, and then it will take several months. So it'll be sometime over the summer that we actually hear a ruling. So stay tuned for that. And then Rob Van Rad, of course, did report on the new loan amount increase. So that's a fun thing to make sure that you're all watching for, getting to close those higher loan amounts today. And then last but not least, there is one item that is open for comment. The CFPB is looking for comments on the TRID rule assessment plan. So they are required to comment on did they implement TRID in the best interest of the consumers? There's multiple questions that we as lenders will be answering. So you do want as a company to take a look at that, comment on it. The Mortgage Bankers Association will be commenting, but very often I find theirs come in kind of late and you really want to, and I don't mean that in any slam, but it's just, you know, it takes time to put these things together. And it yeah, really it is that as a lender, you need to have your own thoughts and get out there as well and not just count on, uh, waiting to hear back and just going ditto with the MBA's, you know, comments. So I'm sure, sure they'll have well-thought-out comments, but the more unique comments, the more, I think, value that it has in trying to get something done for us. So you do want to take a look at it. The comment period's open until January 20th. So that's it, Dave, and back to you. There you go. Good job, Alice. Appreciate it. There's so much you could cover, and I just appreciate you doing what you do in the amount of time you do it. Appreciate it so much. By the way, you want to go listen to all of Alice's comments, go to the website, lookitonlending.com. You can listen to all of those as well as you can for each one of the segments we do. If you want to, there's so much she packs into her segment. Always call people's attention to it as well as everyone else's segment. So let's get into Alan Pollock, who is here with this week's weekly tech update. Did you have a good Thanksgiving there in the in the hood, in the neighborhood? I did. The hood was great. <laughs> had a great, great Thanksgiving. I actually have a gentleman in our neighborhood who puts up like, I don't know, about 13 or so turkey fryers. And he's got all the injection tools and everything. And you sort of show up with your turkey, some oil, and he uh, he fries it and everybody comes out. It's a lot of fun. Oh, fun. That's a great way to do yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, David, with everybody traveling between Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and all the deals and so forth, a really interesting topic came up yesterday that I thought I'd mention real quick. It's called juice jacking. And it's really about when you're at airports and public places and you plug your device into those public ports in order to get a quick charge. Well, there right. airport employees and others wouldn't have any way to know, but there are people, hackers out there, scammers that are connecting devices that would pretend to act like the device that's supporting that charge and no. malware on your computer or download everything from your computer. So if you no. if you don't use a yep, if you don't use a password protection tool like one login or or LastPass, there's a bunch of them out there and you keep things on your computer in a notepad or just any information, your your Apple Apple Pay information or credit card information, just be careful as during this holiday season you plug into any of those any of those ports is called juice jacking, and if you Google it, you'll see a lot of great stuff about it. Juice so moving on, jacking, David. amazing. Yeah, juice jacking. All right. So moving along, we've got some interesting stuff, and and really, you know, because everybody's pushing at the end of the year, we've got final projects we hope to have ready before the beginning of the year. 
This today really is about just how to get aligned if, if things are running off the track or you're preparing for a start of, uh, of your project next month. I title it Expectations and Testing Within Implementing Technology. And I myself, you know, when you talk about the struggle, right, I myself am within many projects. Some do have struggles. They're not all perfect. And, you know, we've all been part of these or a part of these, right? Disasters happen or we go off schedule on these projects. And, of course, we end with, you know, what was less than expected. It's harder to gain adoption because we can't deliver what we thought we would. There's just, it, it affects changes downstream. And sometimes there's things that we or the vendor doesn't even know about. And so really it's so important to be aligned and it's important to stay aligned. And so I, I put a couple things together. We've actually we've talked about these in, in prior segments and it's such a good time to bring it back up. The first one, David, you know, let's meet with our internal teams. We got to map out the path to expectations and have everyone's buy-in. So in other words, if you expect a certain amount of features to be in your new point of sale or something automated with AI that you're implementing, lay out what those initial items are. What's phase one, two, and three? And don't overburden what you think you could have in that initial phase one because it's going to require more testing and acceptance than you actually think it will. The second item, David, is use a map, whether it's a visual diagram, whether it's a process map, and share it because more than likely you have multiple parties and vendors included, especially your LOS vendor, and use that map as a guide to know where things have to interact and where data has to flow. And then third, David, you have to define success metrics. It is so, so important that everybody testing is on the same page and completely understands what we're testing for rather than finding things at the last minute that don't work. It's very hard for your vendors to roll back a release. And from the vendor side, it's very hard to have missed expectations because the day after the release, it can't be used or it can't be adopted as thought. So define those success metrics, have meetings, keep stakeholders informed, share the word, the message, the mission of your stakeholders with your team, with your vendors, and it's just communication overall. And, you know, the very last thing, David, if you remember, we've talked about the Moscow method. I won't really go into it yeah. today, but just use it in your planning. As you do all those things I mentioned, use the Moscow method, you know, which is just a way to prioritize. You can Google it, M-O-S-C-O-W, and you can wait and prioritize your stuff. Uh, in the end, you will have a well-defined success, and you will be driven to that success. Good job. Yeah, that is so true. Moscow method. In fact, we'll put that in some show notes here that we'll be pumping out. A lot of people want to know, how can we find out more information? Uh, go over to our LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. We pump out a lot of these show notes through LinkedIn each and every week, sometimes five times a day about getting information out because there's so much good information. Alan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Likewise. Good to have thank you me. back. And can't wait to talk to you a little bit later. So we've got some interesting things to talk, discuss with you. Folks, the Finastra, we love to get them right after Alan's segment, get them up here. They've got a great mobile app. It's incredible. And we just had a client sign up, and we did a demonstration with them two hours this last week. They were blown away with how efficient, effective, and smooth it is. And they've got another development coming up here in January we'll be talking about. So very pleased. Check out MortgageBots mobile app, which is all part of the main program. Check it out at finastra.com. Andy Shell, the Profit Doctor, the Profit Doctor, and official PhD. Hi, Dave. Is with us today. 
How was your Thanksgiving, friend? Your grandson? It was, it was awesome. Oh my gosh, that's the that's so home of grandson, so you know, there's nothing better than that. So I'm a happy camper. Oh, he is. Ben is just such a cutie too. What a cute little guy. So today, given right. that uh, we've got the CEO of AntiScore coming on, Barrett joining soon, I wanted to talk yeah. about measurement and change and how to think about both of those two items. So, you know, the anytime you have something new, so this is a new credit score, you know, different algorithm than FICO, and he's going to talk about all of that. But when we talk about measurement, there's lots of things in our business we can measure. So I'm going to talk just a second about measurement and then, then jump into the whole idea about implementing the new method. So around measurement, measuring a credit score, do you pay your bills on time? I mean, all the, all of the elements that go into that. But what other things are there that we can measure and think about? Well, there's, there's communication. There's a communication IQ. And Part of that is associated with an emotional IQ. We talk about that quite a bit. There's also a couple of new ones. There's an authenticity IQ, which is really important in effective communication. And then there's also a listening IQ, which also is important in both emotional IQ and to create the authenticity because if people don't feel like they're being listened to, then it's not going to be an authentic relationship. So all these things come together and things that can be measured in a business. So that was the segue, but I did want to talk now more about how to think about what you're thinking about when you're thinking about measurement or changing or systems. So Alan hinted about this when he was talking about structure and a conversion. The thing that I've noticed when people look at putting in new systems, a new scoring system or whatever else it could be, the, the biggest issue and the biggest mistake is systems are underexamined and conversions are underestimated. Alan talked about the conversions are underestimated part of that. I would suggest that it starts even before that, where systems Mm -hmm. are under-examined. And watching somebody do something on a system does not mean that it's easy to do what they just did. In in fact, it's probably substantially more difficult than just watching somebody do it. So one of the first things we want to think about is how to know what you know and how to think about what we think about. So what we think about when we pick a system – it's more than just a list. It's about the, the theory behind even creating the list. How do we know what we need to know? And so this is sort of a fuzzy topic, but it gets into what we refer to in the academic circles as a double movement of reflective thought or reflectivity, which simply means in, induction and deduction in a repetitive fashion so that we go from specific to general, like, for example, one tech fails, so there we, therefore we assume all tech fails. So that's specific to general, and deduction would be general to specific. You know, saw a crime, found a clue, found a criminal. So, but the process is doing that in a cycle over and over and over. And, and we can think about the bicameral mind. Your brain's broken into hemispheres, and the dominance of the hemisphere depends on the person that's uniquely crafted. But like thinking is typically more of a well, it can be a right brain function. Typing is typically more of a left brain function because it includes motor skill delivery. So what we got to do, though, when we look at systems is we want to use the right brain to explore and understand so that there we we're, we're going from, from details to a cause. And then we're going to use our left brain to reach a plan, which is from cause to solution. So going from understanding to a cause and a cause to a solution. And this is really what I call the relentless pursuit of why and then how. You have to understand before you can solve. 
so many times people jump into solving before they understand, and that's a big mistake, and that's part of the reason why these systems fail, because they didn't get what they thought they were going to get. So we need to mm-hmm. think about how we think about it. And I think that's my five minutes. It's four minutes and 30 seconds, and we had an intro. So this is stressful yeah. to keep under the line. I'm, I don't like this clock thing ticking away. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't see what well, the point you of do it a is good... why it matters. But anyway, so there yeah. you go, Dave. There's my presentation. That's really good. I mean, it, there's some great content in there. And if you want to get Andy's expanded version, you can get on the phone with him. You can email him. Email him at andy at mbs-team.com. Fountain of knowledge, information. Trust me, we get to gather for a barbecue, and we hardly get through just updating each other and all that's going on and hearing about his newest Ph.D. endeavor. It's always so much fun. But an hour and a half could go like at a blink. So anyway, a lot of information encourage you to reach out to Andy Shell, Andy at mbs-team.com. Appreciate it, Andy, very much. For those of you that are here on a weekly basis listening live, this ends our uh, hot topic segment. But for those of you listening live, just stay right on because we're going to go into the next segment, which is our hot topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, the MBA, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, the CMLA, as well as Velma, KnowledgeCoop, Vidyard, and AI Assist. Folks, thanks so much for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.